0: That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball. Smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts! My
1: number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side.
0: Welcome in to Hour 3, the Power Hour, on Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long & Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990.
1: Been right along here. Power hour time, hour number three, 808 here in the New River Valley. Dan Steinbach pinch hitting for Rick Watson, the big dog, on BDST today. Rick currently at home, counting some sheep. Much needed after getting home late from last night. Radford Men's basketball on the road. At Charleston Southern, come away with a close loss. I'm sure he'll talk about it with you all tomorrow before he sends you off for your weekend. But right now, for the Power Hour to start us off, I'm joined by the current Virginia Tech Assistant Director of Broadcast Services. The one and only voice of Virginia Tech women's basketball and the voice of Virginia Tech baseball. Host of the Hokie Sports Insider Podcast, your 2021 recipient of the Jim Nance Award former and first sports director of 3304 Sports in the Virginia Tech SMA program. We just had on the current director in Nick Brown. And my personal friend, Mr. Evan Hughes. Evan, good morning to you, sir.
0: Wow, what an introduction right there, my man. Great to be with you. Fired up for you getting to host the show here this morning. And uh, good morning to you from South Bend. I am overlooking uh, the Notre Dame football stadium right now. It is cold. There's a little bit of snow on the ground and... uh, we're going to have a good one here tonight, Dan.
1: Do we have a visual on Touchdown Jesus? I wish I could tell you that I, uh,
0: we do. It, it is on the other end of the football stadium. So I will go walk, and uh, I definitely would love to go see it at some point today. So no visual, but I am, I'm looking at the stadium that Rudy once played in.
1: That, that is absolutely that is absolutely true. A uh, bit of snow on the ground, you say. Uh, what, what's the temperature there? Because we, we're having a bit of a cold one. Oh, uh, my here goodness. In the well, two days ago,
0: apparently, in South Bend, our bus driver said it was 70 degrees. And then we land yesterday, and it was in the mid-30s. So right now, it is 23 in South Bend with a high of 40.
1: Yeah, we're not, we're not getting much better. How much snow is out there? Like a little, nice little dusting? We got a couple inches. What are we talking here?
0: Yeah, just a little dusting, and it's been on the ground for a couple of days. So nothing too bad. Um, but, you know, be- beautiful campus and a lot of great history. And, um, you know, th- th- this is actually one of my favorite road environments to play in. Uh, two years ago when we came up here, the fans really show out. There's a ton of history in Purcell Pavilion and just kind of a, you know, you you really appreciate the history that is involved with this school, I mean to think that there's you know athletics and history that's going on for a 100, 150 years from Newt Rockney to you know all the way through. You, you you respect the history that is involved with this university.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know that weather's uh, nothing else the Midwest boys uh, can't handle. Uh, me from Michigan, you with your familiarity with the. Minnesota area of course you were back up there you called some uh St. Cloud games right you, you were uh, I, I up did
0: there. but the difference was over the
1: summer it's beautiful in the Midwest Absolutely. I never had to
0: experience what it was like to have a Midwest winter
1: oh uh, yeah it's uh it, it can get kind of testy but I, I will say I was on with uh Rick yesterday morning and I was telling him we were talking about the weather here how it was uh, starting to warm up of course it got chilly last night but uh, Detroit I believe on Tuesday so right around when you were talking about how South Bend's hitting 70, yeah, Detroit, the city of Detroit, hit a February record, 73 degrees. Absolutely Gosh. insane. And now it's back down to probably below freezing up there.
0: Yeah, I'm waiting for Blacksburg. People call it the, the fake
1: spring, right? We're going to get like a I week. I feel like we already had that. I, we, we had a couple days ago where it was like 60. I mean, I don't know if I would call that necessarily fake spring, but it was, it was getting kind of warm. I walked outside in my sweatshirt, and I, I was sweating a little bit.
0: Well, I, I am looking forward to the warmer temperatures because spring sports are here. I mean, softball starts ACC play tomorrow for crying out loud, and so let's bring on the, the warm weather, Dan.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, good thing you brought up softball because uh, it wasn't the main driver of my segment with you today, but I did want to just, you know, get your thoughts because I know you're a big fan of the program. You're a big fan of Coach Damore. Um Have you had him on the uh insider podcast recently have you sat down with him in a while or uh, what's what's your just general viber on the program right now
0: well i had him on in december and you know i absolutely love coach demore coach was one of the first coaches at virginia tech when i was a student that really took me under his wing and i hosted the hokey sports uh excuse me the hokey softball podcast with him that i created and did it my sophomore junior and senior years with him and coach is great i mean he he is just an absolute rock star, and he loves the area. And, you know, his background in men's fast pitch with, you know, a staff that he's built that's tremendous. I really think this is a team that can um, make it to Oklahoma City in the Women's College World Series. I think what you're seeing so far, whether it's the win at number three, Georgia. Uh, I'm going to say it on air, the two wins that they had in Auburn, I know it was only one in the tie, but they absolutely won that second game. They've beaten some big-time teams. I think you're seeing the pitching depth. I think you're seeing whether it's Emma Lemley, I think Lindsey Grine looks to have taken a big step from year one to year two. Uh, really like the the, the the lefty and Cassie Grizzard and what she brings, and he's throwing a Molly Jacobson and a couple of the freshmen. I mean, there's you know, four to six pitchers that he has to work with. And I think something you're seeing from the start of when he got here in 2018 to now in 2024 is that you might've been able to only use one or two pitchers to, you know, win a national championship. And I think now you're seeing across college softball, you need three to five. And so this is the most depth that I think any Virginia tech softball team, you know, even going back, um, you know, to Scott Thomas era that, that, that Virginia Tech's had. And then the offense, of course, is just, it's terrific. I mean, Corey McMillan transferring from Radford has been on a tear. Um, you know, just really good, solid pieces, good veteran leadership with Cameron Fagan and Addie Green and Emma Ritter. So they've got a great test this weekend at Tech Softball Park against Notre Dame. And um, their schedule just continues to be so good. They still have a trip to Alabama on the docket. Their non-conference, Dan, might be one of the best non-cons in America.
1: Yeah, and I'm just looking at the schedule right now. So they're looking at a record of 12-3-1. Of course, you got that tie, which I personally do not understand the logic behind any of that. Um, But uh, after their classic out in Arizona, they dropped out of the rankings. But they split that uh, series with Georgia uh, in the Georgia Classic when they went down to Athens. Uh, They're playing good ball. I would expect to see them back in the rankings. When when do rankings release for softball?
0: I think it's on Monday, and, and some rankings have them in, like even the top twenty. and Some don't. There are, you know, there are some sports that just have so many different rankings, and softball is one of them. Um, but you know, I, I think they're I think they're flying under the radar a little bit, and I think that there's a lot of attention on Florida State and and Clemson with Valerie Cagle and and Duke, and I I don't know why teams don't give enough. Um, credit to Virginia Tech in the preseason polls, but that's fine. I think they like coming under the radar. I mean, I, I expect this. I, I really do think this team can win the ACC and, and make it to Oklahoma City. It's going to be a fun team to
1: watch. Yeah, we're just one of those blue-collar teams. that uh, we, we don't need the rankings. We don't, we don't need the the Hollywood elites to love us. Um, yeah, so a big uh, weekend here uh, at home for uh, the stickball teams as uh, softball is going to be hosting their first ACC series. They got Notre Dame. Uh, and then you've got, uh, baseball has their Stony Brook series. Now I was talking to Gio and he told me that he's going to be on, uh, for the Sunday broadcast. Are you telling me that after tonight's game, you guys are flying out and you're going to be man in the, man in the ones and twos, uh, in the booth tomorrow.
0: Yep. That's correct. I'm, uh, we're going to fly back from South Bend tonight after the huge game on ESPN, uh, tech Notre Dame women's basketball. And then I'll be back tomorrow morning and we'll, or I'm back tonight rather. And tomorrow, uh, 4 o'clock uh, Friday, 4 o'clock uh, Saturday, and 1 o'clock on Sunday. So 4-4-1 four, four and one over at an English Field for Stony Brook. And I tell you what, a couple of things about baseball. Number one, they've won four straight. They've combined outscored top opposition 53-11 to in that stretch. The pitching has been fantastic. And there needs to be more credit given to the pitching staff and the talent that Ryan Fecto and John Shepherd brought in. There's depth. They've got a lot of different guys who can do a lot of different things from the right and left side. Really like the starting rotation that's starting to form two, by the way, with uh, Brett Renfro, Wyatt Parliament, and Griffin Stig. But you look at the non-con, Dan, and you might think Charlotte, Rhode Island, and Stony Brook. It's not necessarily the flashiest of names, but for those that follow college baseball, you know Charlotte won Conference USA last year. Went to the Clemson Regional, knocked out the Tigers, played for a regional championship. Um, And Stony Brook, in 2012, made the College World Series as a four seed. They have been one of the best low majors, uh, mid-majors rather, in the last 10 years of baseball. They went to Baton Rouge and beat number three LSU last Friday. So really solid team. And I think it is going to be the perfect final test before Tech gets Ironically enough, we're talking a lot about Notre Dame. Hokies get Fighting Irish in Blacksburg next week to open ACC play.
1: Yeah, a lot of Irish uh, matchups heading up right before uh, yeah. St. Paddy's. Okay, a lot of Hokies in Notre Dame here. In yeah, the we're, we're going to get used to seeing them. Um, yeah, so they've got that series coming up against Stony Brook. Uh, then they've got a nice little midweek next Wednesday against Binghamton. That's the thing, too, is that uh, just hopping back on softball real quick, it's a shame that we were talking about weather and, you know, The way softball usually works is at the beginning of the season, you're going to have a lot of those uh, classics, you know, quote-unquote tournaments where it's just a group of teams going to one venue and just playing a bunch of games over a weekend. Uh, You don't really have those same structured weekend series. We don't really see a lot of those. They've played one game uh, at home this season. Uh, The rest of those were uh, on the road in those big tournaments. So now they're finally coming back, and it's just a little unfortunate that their first home series just happens to be uh, on senior spring break. But hopefully Blacksburg is not too... Unpopulated, and people are going to be out, able to go out to both uh, English Field and Tech Softball Park uh, to just enjoy all the scenery, all the pageantry uh, of the returning spring sports, uh, baseball, softball, obviously looking, uh, to re-reach the peak. Because, I mean, hey, we, we can talk about the past is the past all we want, but 2022 was such a special year. Uh, just to be here and witnessing two programs at their peaks being able to host regionals, uh, just like that and the environment was so special here and we're seeing it now uh with tech women's basketball which we'll segue into in just a second but there is a Tech's fan base is just so fantastic and being an outsider and being able to see what this community is all about when there is you know a legitimate team to rally around the fans show out and i guess this is the perfect segue into talking about last sunday because man you're the voice of the team uh I'll ask you all about you know what's going on inside the locker room and what you're hearing in just a little bit. Can you just talk about being able to experience this past Sunday for Tech Women's Basketball? It was awesome.
0: It, it was one of the coolest things I've gotten to experience in my job and as a, as a Tech alum in the last seven years of, of, of being here. It, you know, to be the first ACC Women's Basketball program to host game day to see pictures of fans sleeping outside in dirty degree weather at 11 o'clock to line up to hear the college game day talent say that this was the best one of the year. Um, I think it just speaks volumes about the kind of program that Kenny Brooks has built. And let me expand upon that. I think that, the media does such a great job at showing about what I think is the best culture I've ever seen in in, in sports is what Kenny Brooks has built with this program, right? It is such a, a family type atmosphere. But what I don't think coach gets enough credit for is when you build a program like that, is that it connects you to a fan base in a way that it makes fans feel like they're part of it. And that they know Georgia and Liz, on a personal level and not just the players on the floor that they are for 40 minutes, you feel connected and intertwined with them. And it helps that they've been here for four and five years. You know, you kind of grow up with them and you don't always get that in other college sports, right? Because of one and done and all that stuff. And so I think it was the perfect culmination of their careers and for it to play out the way that it did. It was basically a 60-minute infomercial about Virginia Tech and Tech Women's Basketball and ESPN, which was so cool. And so I, I, think, they're, I think they will be back. And, you know, it, it, it just – I think that this is something that we'll talk about, you know, 15, 20 years from now. Everyone brings up the Tech-Syracuse college game day in the mid-'90s for football. That was really the first one – they came to Blacksburg and kind of put college game day on the map. And we still talk about that 20, 30 years from now. I think we'll remember this one too, because it's special to have basketball game day here. But the good news is, Dan, I really think they're going to be back sooner rather than later.
1: Man, I really hope so, because it's always, it's always nice to have uh, the national attention. I mean, I can joke about how you know we're blue-collar we're up here in the mountains. No one really knows where Blacksburg, Virginia is. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. But it's always nice uh, to be able to just flip on the TV. Obviously, like you want to go down there. But if you don't have the chance, you flip on the TV and you can just see, oh, hey, look, I walk down that street every day. It's always nice to give this community some shine because it really deserves it. All right, man, we're coming up quickly on the bottom of the hour, but I definitely need to get your thoughts, uh, some deeper thoughts on women's basketball. Obviously, they're uh, on the road tonight in South Bend. Evan's there. He's going to have the call for you over on our sister station, Hot 100.7 FM. I'm going to be on the board for you uh, tonight, man. I did not realize that until I checked the schedule last night. So uh, that could have been a major disaster if I didn't know I was working. But I can't wait to hear from you later tonight on the call. Um, So, yeah, just quick thoughts on tonight's game. I don't want you to, you know, blow all your notes into the wind as to what you want to say in the pregame show. But if you could just get everyone up to speed.
0: Well, you know, Notre Dame was projected to finish second in the ACC coming into the year. Um, obviously the last two years they have had a fantastic point guard in Olivia Miles who will not play this year after having a season-ending injury around this time a year ago but from one great guard to another in Hannah Hidalgo who will likely win ACC freshman of the year and potentially national player of the year she's in a battle with USC's Juju Watkins for that national award but Hidalgo averages I believe it's over three steals per game and has the most steals per country uh, per game in the country. Two different kind of styles, too, in Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. You know, Kenny Brooks talks about how they want to be dead last in steals per game. Uh, hunting in packs, as he calls it, defensively. That's the way they want to attack you from a defensive standpoint. Notre Dame and Hidalgo, they want to swipe the ball away. They want to get in transition. Hokies lead the ACC in three-point field goal percentage. Who's the number one team in the ACC in defensive three-point field goal percentage? Notre Dame holding teams to about 22% on the year. So it's a little bit of contrasting styles. You know, from uh, Hidalgo to uh, Sonia Citron and Maddie Westfeld. those are three top scorers for Notre Dame. And then you've got the two-headed monster of Kitley and Amor. I think it's going to be imperative for Matilda Act to continue to score in double figures. You know, everyone that's been contributing in their roles to continue to do that. It's a tough place to play. Hokies, I believe, are two and seventeen all time against Notre Dame. Uh, they won once in South Bend in twenty twenty, but right now, Dan, I mean, Tech, it, it, it's, you know, I don't really have many keys, and I know this is going to sound cliche. Just keep doing what you're doing, right? You've won ten straight. You're one of the hottest teams in America, and I think what's impressive is, yes, this is a tough road environment, but how many, how many times are we going to talk about Tech playing in a big atmosphere and they find a way to deliver? I mean. They have played in the Final Four, in the ATC Final, the college game day on Sunday. 10,000 people at Louisville. They played in Baton Rouge. They played in front of 15,000 against Iowa. So the crowd, the atmosphere, listen, there's one thing we learned about UNC on Sunday. The whole senior day emotions and game day, and everything surrounding UNC, it did not matter. in a 21-5 lead at the end of the first quarter. So uh, I think it should be a great game. I think it's a huge opportunity, and I'll stop after this, and know we're up against the break. Huge opportunity to build its resume for the NCAA tournament. Last night, number three, Texas lost to Oklahoma. Texas number five in the AP poll. AP rankings aren't, you know, determined who's going to be a one-seed a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. But a road win against Notre Dame would go a long way to help continue to bolster its resume in hopes of maybe being a one-seed back-to-back years.
1: Absolutely, man. You're absolutely right. We're up against the break. Evan Hughes, man, I love talking to you. I wish I could talk to you for longer. Uh, but I'll talk to you later tonight uh, when we're on the game for uh, Tech Women's Basketball in South Bend over on our sister station, Hot 100. Evan, man, thanks so much for waking up with me and uh, taking the time out of your day.
0: Dan, you're the man. Appreciate you, brother. I'll talk to you tonight. Thank you.
1: All right, yeah, see you, man. All right, Evan Hughes, voice of Virginia Tech Women's Basketball and Baseball. I'm up against it. We got to go to break real quick. I'll come in and uh, tease my next guest. David Cunningham is going to take us at the bottom of the hour at 8.35, and then I'll take you home the rest of the way. Before I hand you back over to Rick for tomorrow, this is Dan Steinbach, BDST. Don't go anywhere. Can't
0: stay at home, can't
1: stay in Dan Steinbach taking you to the bottom of the hour here on BDST on this Thursday. Love talking to Evan Hughes, man. He's the best. Uh, at him at the top of the hour And uh, We're moving right along here On this Thursday morning In the power hour We've hit the bottom of the hour And coming out of this break I've got my man David Cunningham talking a little tech women's basketball He's also in South Bend Maybe he and Evan are going to grab some breakfast Hope that David can handle the cold weather And we'll talk about men's basketball slump EST here on a Thursday Half an hour to go no It's <laughs> time back here. Bottom of the hour, 835 in the New River Valley. I'm trying to get uh, my man David Cunningham on. Looks like we're having some fun oh, cool. to him. So, uh, at least for the moment, uh, you're stuck with me here on this Leap Day as you have been uh, all day long. Had a nice conversation there with Evan Hughes to start off the power hour. Um, No, man, Evan, talking with him is great because uh, he's got some great insight. And What I wanted to do is I wanted to talk to him about women's basketball expectations because I... I mean, he's he's as locked in as anyone can get in terms of covering the team. I mean, for God's sakes, he broadcasts for them, so he's with them for every game. Uh, he's always talking to Coach Brooks. He's got the Kenny Brooks show. And then, you know, he's able to get in the locker room. He's able to talk. With the player's he's able to get the vibe of the players. So here's the thing. We're, we're talking about Blacksburg as a community. We're talking about the Virginia Tech fan base as a whole. And... Look, there's no going two ways about this. As a Tech fan and as someone who comes from outside the program, Virginia Tech not having a team national champion is something that needs to get remedied. It is something that people within this fan base can't get past, and I don't think they should get past because it's not. It, you're, you're one of two Power 5 schools, that have not been able to experience the thrill of winning a national championship. I mean, that's just it. And the conversation always comes around to who's the first to do it? Who's going to be the first one to do it? And this is a conversation that's been had that I've been able to listen to for the past five years now. And you always get, it seems like, the same comments, you know, when baseball and softball are peaking. They've been up there. Uh, wrestling is obviously a very popular choice. And then right now at this peak, you're talking about this sample size, this era that we've entered into with women's basketball. It's gotta be them. It has to be them. And you look at this year's team and Evan was talking about how, uh, you know, you're looking at the rankings right now. They're fifth. Number three, Texas just lost. So already you're talking about being a top four team in the country again, when they ended up fourth in the country last season after winning the ACC tournament. You're talking about getting back on the one line. Two straight years as a one seed. That's big. That's big time. That's elite. I, that, that's like, it's not as dominant, obviously, but that's, you know, prime UConn, prime South Carolina, prime Baylor stuff. You know, routinely the best teams in the country finding their way up to that one line again and again and again. That means you're getting... Obviously you're hosting. And then, you know, we were talking with Nick Brown at the bottom of hour number two. You're talking about potentially getting seeded in a way that is beneficial to you for that, for those later rounds, for that sweet 16, for that elite eight, you know, being close to your home footprint regionally. And it gives you, it gives your team, it gives your program, it gives your university, you know, a higher degree of respect I don't know what the general idea is around Virginia Tech athletics as a whole. But the fact that there is not a trophy for a team accomplishment in that cabinet, it it definitely leaves a stain. And it's something that, you know, it gives us a quality of we are respected in the sense that people like to come here. People like to come to Blacksburg. We were talking with Evan about College Game Day. They love to come here, and they see the appetite that this fan base has for winners. We want to support these teams. We love these teams. We love their school. We love these athletics programs. We want to support them, and we want to see them win. And on a national level, it earns you that respect, and it just helps you. It's this... I'm going to use a term that I'm learning in uh, engineering class right now. It's, It's talking about reinforcing feedback loops, where... If you are going to win more, your fan base is going to care more. There's going to be more positive energy into the program, which leads to more winning, which means to, you know, better recruiting, better atmospheres. It just keeps going. It's a self sustaining thing. And obviously, at the center of all that is having a really good culture, which we have here. There is a strong belief in community in Blacksburg, there is a strong belief in. If you break down to a team level, there's a strong belief in one another on a team level. And obviously you have to credit the players for that. And you obviously have to credit the head coach, Kenny Brooks, who is one of the best coaches in the country. But now I'm not saying here that if they don't win it all this season, that we're supposed to be upset or anything. No, of course not. You're supposed to, you know, celebrate what you've been able to witness here, which has been... Flat out, bar none, greatness. Seeing Liz Kitley, Kayla King, and George A. Moore come through this program, get better with it, and build it up to the level it has reached is something that should be nothing short of celebrated forever. And that includes retiring jerseys, yes. I mean, that's not even a hot take. Like This is supposed to be hot take radio, talk radio, if I'm gonna come away with one thing that's supposed to be like a big opinion, hot take, <laughs> oh great. Elizabeth Kitley and George A. Morris used to be retired. And I would I would say Kayla King too. She is as much a contributor to the culture of Virginia Tech women's basketball as anyone. She has been here from the start and has been nothing but just a shining example of you know what it means to be a Virginia Tech Hokie. And she has been a part of that success. Uh the statistics you know, they're not the same. They're not the same accolades individually as say Liz Kitley, who is just flat out one of the best players in ACC history, let alone the school, as she is unequivocally the GOAT. But showing, you know, pride in their accomplishments by retiring their jerseys is not some hot take. But at the same time, you want to look back on this uh, time in Virginia Tech women's basketball. And, yes, yeah, so a Final Four banner is outstanding. It's the first Final Four that either men's or women's basketball achieved. And it's a level of legitimacy. Like a Final Four banner means something. And there's the argument that as long as you get to the Final Four, the season is a success. And when you're at, I think the level Virginia Tech is at right now. It absolutely is. I'm not going to come here and say that. It should only be championship robust. It doesn't need to be that. That's not what sports needs to be about. Obviously, comparing where Virginia Tech is as a historical program to someone like UConn is completely different. UConn goes to the Final Four and doesn't win the national championship. They're talking about it being a disappointing season in their prime years. They haven't necessarily had the strongest run in their program's history as of recently. But you're talking about those prime years. They're winning national championships again and again and again. They're getting used to it. Tech doesn't have that right now. They're really close. They're really, really close. And if there's one thing I would have liked to have asked Evan about and talked to Evan about, and obviously we can talk about this uh, behind your backs when I'm not on the radio, but if there's one thing that I have just not been able to shake from this year's team is I don't know if they are last year's team. And it's crazy to say because last year's team had to get all the way through the ACC tournament to get ranked in top four. Tech. Takes care of business tonight in South Bend. And then they go on the road Sunday to JPJ, which I'm uh, hearing is going to be a hokey takeover from what I'm seeing on social media. A lot of people are going to show up to that game. Very excited to witness that. I wanted to ask Evan because uh, it would have tied in what Rick and I were talking about yesterday with court storming. We brought up how tech fans rushed UVA's field in football. I was going to ask Evan if he thought there was even a modicum of a possibility of, the Tech Takeover, finding its way onto the JPJ floor to spoil Senior Day on Sunday. Which, granted, would be hilarious. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but they take care of business. I mean, look, big game on the road. It's not an easy task just to go in another game. They're 17th in the country. Not going to be an easy task. Then, of course, you go into UVA on Sunday. Rivalry game. You take care of business there. You go into the ACC Tournament. You win the thing. Whether you win the thing or not, you're the one seed you could end up on the one line again in the NCAAs. If stuff happens ahead of you, you could possibly be looking at, what, the second best team in the country, rankings-wise. But there's just something that I, w- I would like to talk to Evan about because when you talk about Tech's non-con, the LSU and the Iowa losses, I think still, they just still stick. And the FSU-Duke losses, you know, you just hit a little mid bump, and you've been playing elite basketball ever since then. And Liz Kitley has been on an absolute just path of war. She's been leveling teams at rates that she hasn't in her entire career. Like, she's peaking right now. It's insane to watch her play. is playing great. The team's playing great. Evan was talking about Matilda X still being a fantastic contributor. If there's one thing I would talk to Evan about, it's how this year's team, compared to last year's team, Last year's team did not have the depth. They only went six deep. They played their starters basically the whole time. They bring a six in and off the bench, and you know that would that would, that would kind of be it. But they were Kenny Brooks would strategically you know throw in a Deja Greg, but George Amor's playing you know every minute, all forty minutes. Liz Kitley is playing thirty eight minutes. Where I am where I am with this team is yeah you'll mix in uh uh a uh uh. Carly Wenzel, Clara Strack, all fantastic players that have not been put into the situation where they are... They're they're not going to be in as high-stakes situations as last year's team was, and they they proved it. Now, this year's team absolutely absolutely has the chance to prove themselves in those more high-stakes situations coming up in the ACC tournament and then eventually in the NCAAs. And if anything, I think the depth of this year's team... like, Like I said, the depth of this year's team is better in the sense that they run deeper on purpose. It's not necessarily a thing of, Oh, we just need to throw some extra bodies in there. Like, no, Wenzel Strack, they play real minutes for this team, real contributing minutes. And it helps, you know, it Liz Kitley's not playing 38 minutes. Maybe she's playing 36, but those two minutes are a big difference. And I love some of the action that they get going on when they get both bigs in the game. Uh, It's really smart. It's really well drawn up. And, I have to say defensively. I love what Kenny Brooks does whenever we get to the end of a game and he switches to zone. Uh, if a team has given you a tough time offensively, I, I love seeing the switch. Uh, they go into it so naturally, and it really just disrupts the flow of the game. Like, when they went out to uh, Louisville just last week, and they shot the lights out, Louisville was playing really well that that entire game, too. It wasn't just, and I don't think it was a into Tech playing poor defense. But Louisville just had really good shot makers and just Tech was making everything. But then it was a trading baskets game the whole way. Like Tech got out to a really big lead early, but then the rest of the way, Louisville had some momentum. They had the home floor and they, they were not missing shots. They weren't missing shots either. There was a lot of trading baskets. It was a really good basketball game to watch. But then Tech switches to that zone. Louisville goes cold. Tech keeps going to the free throw line. Liz just keeps doing her thing. Georgia hits a three. Matilda Eck hits a three. They are so well-equipped for big moments like that, and Kenny Brooks has done a master class in coaching this year, and then it, you saw it again with the North Carolina game. Big lead, you know, Start to slow down a little bit, but then Kenny Brooks makes that switch to zone and catches North Carolina off guard, and they just keep cruising the rest of the way through the rest of the second half. And they come away with a big win. On national television, always important on senior day, obviously fantastic atmosphere. They're going to be hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament again. It just comes down to a matter of, can they get back to that final four? It all depends on seeding. Obviously, it all depends on matchups. But at some point when you're talking about, okay, if we think this team is, let's just throw out for argument's sake, the third best team in the country. At that point, matchups aren't mattering because you're the one seed in that bracket you should get to the final four. And that's the expectation. That's why I wanted to ask Evan if there is that attitude in the locker room. You know, I want to know what Georgia, Liz, and Kayla are thinking about as the three players from last year's team that helped get us to the final four last year, came up short in the final four, after they were ahead of the national champions, and it got away from them. Is this team in that? Is this team ready to be in that same position again? They are the best chance that Virginia Tech athletics has had at winning a team national championship since Jesus. I mean from like an on paper perspective, you could pick some football seasons, but do you have to go all the way back to 1999 when they were in the national championship game? Because you can talk about uh, some football seasons coming up short, you talk about 2007, but when you talk about actually getting there, in real life, even though they're not there yet for this season, you can feel that this is the closest that Tech has been to a national championship in the school's history. And moving forward, after this, you know, obviously, uh, players like Wenzel and Strack, who I've praised in this segment, I I think they're going to be really, really good. Do they have the opportunity to be the next Amor-Kitley combo? Absolutely. What we have seen over the last... Three plus years has been nothing short of elite top level basketball and it can be hard to replicate that and so you're talking about you know setting an expectation I, I think Kenny Brooks absolutely wants to set an expectation that when you're here you are competing for not just final fours but winning the whole dang thing and I'd love to see it obviously but I want to know what the attitude is around the program, within the program. Because I don't know if there are still concerns within the program about last year or if this is just strictly business. And honestly, it feels like the latter because the last month, when was that Duke loss? That Duke loss was a month and 11 days ago. Since then, 12-point win, 18-point win, 13, 13, 9.1 9.1 in OT on the road in Chapel Hill. 11-point win on the road, NC State. 11-point win. 5-point win, Duke. I was at that game. Duke's Duke's a tough matchup for this team. So uh, seeing them again in the AC tournament would be interesting. But then 16 and then 12. They're blowing, pe- they're blowing teams out that are not named Duke. They are playing so confidently right now that Look, if you told me they go back to the Final Four, with how confident they're playing right now, it kind of alleviates some of the doubt that I've had of, is this team last year's team? But are those concerns still within the program? I don't think so, because, like I said, strictly business. I, I, I can't wait for tonight's game. It's going to be a big one. And obviously, uh, I'm excited to see how many Hokies show up to JPJ on Sunday uh, in Charlottesville, uh, because I, I'm hearing that a lot of people are trying to go out there and take over Senior Day there, which is always fun. You always want to, you know, beat the who's especially on their uh, home court. Spoiled, and spoiling Senior Day is always fun. Just kind of like how you spoiled their last game uh, at Castle for the men's side. That was a fun game to go. That was, that was the last basketball game that uh, I was able to attend as a student. And the fact that I was able to make it there and I was able to be a blowout in such glorious fashion. The last two, the last men's basketball game, and the last football game between Tech and UVA that I have gotten to witness as students have both been absolute, just brutal beatdowns. And I wouldn't have it any other way. This is Dan Steinbach. I got to go to break one more time. But it has been a pleasure being with you today on BDST. Rick's back tomorrow. We got one more break. And then I'm out of here. And then I'm going to go home and probably take a nap. I have class at 11, but a nap is in my future. The Red Bull has been cracked, though, so that's that'll get me through at least the next, and eh, hopefully three hours. This is BDST on WRAD. Thursday. Leap day. February 29th. Don't go anywhere. Steinbach with you one final time here. Uh, That's it. That's it for me today. Uh, You know, I I had a lot of fun obviously filling in for Rick, who was on the road with Radford Men's Basketball. I want to thank him for letting me take care of his studio today. I kept his seat warm. I want to thank Jamie Forrest, our program director, for giving me the opportunity as well thank you all for listening gotta thank geo heater for joining me in hour number one nick brown hour number two evan hughes to open up power hour here today great conversation with them it's always great uh to be talking with people who are professionally trained in talking because i'm over here just kind of yapping a little bit but being able to actually have a conversation with them really good really made my job easy today so special shout out to them Thank you all again for listening. I've been Dan Steinbach. I don't know when I'll be on next. Probably whenever Rick has a sick day or needs to catch up on some more sleep. Hopefully I did him proud, and I hope that if you guys texted him, you all told me what a fantastic job I was doing. Anyways, I gotta get out of here. Thank you all for listening. Rick is back tomorrow. It's uh, been fun. Take care. This has been BDSD. For all of us here at News Center 4, I'm Ron Burgundy.
0: You stay classy, New River Valley.